You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, welcome back. Happy New Year. This is the last Land and Legacy podcast of 2021. Uh, Matt and I are here. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to carry most of the conversation today as Matt's dealing with uh, <laughs> something I was dealing with a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, my, my, my voice is, does not have much strength right now. So as you can probably pick up on the audio, Adam's going to be carrying the bulk, and I'm probably going to be doing a lot of, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> those and, type uh, of comments. Oh man, you know it's been a it's been a wild ride for 2021. I said this on the other podcast yeah. this week with Chad, and I'll say it with you, Matt. It's like unbelievable how fast this year went. Um, it's crazy. Almost, it feels like in the world, and in in especially in the U.S. Ever since the pandemic, that it's just like everything. It's it's a weird realm that we're in because it kind of feels like slow motion, but then you look back and you're like, it's like fast forwarding, like two double yeah. speed. Because, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I'm stuck at home when this started and everybody's home and doing that. And then all of a sudden, two, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. And uh, and then here we are two years, two later. years later going, wow, we're already two years through and we're still dealing with this. And, and it's yeah. just been a weird it's been a weird couple of years. And, uh, you know, for us, we've been plugging away and consulting like crazy and. You know, and then you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, we've got, we worked with that guy, that guy, that guy, that region, that region. I was here, I was there, I was there. And you're like, my goodness, we've been a lot of places even with yeah. this pandemic going on. Well, and that's the, that's the really cool thing. And I don't want to derail the podcast with this statement because we could talk about it for hours. But, and that is the, the thing that we always go back to why we love land like the escape the ability to get away and just get outside and something that is just real and tangible and that is just out i don't know, like over dramatize it but like it's authentic you know what yeah. i mean it's like man there's just something 
this peaceful and real about being outside and working with creation. And we're blessed every day that we get to do that. Yeah. But regardless of it, what's going on in the world, right? The right. the deer are still rutting, the ducks are still migrating, and the turkeys still gobble. And God is still in control. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like ah, oh, like that 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 just gives me like this rejuvenating deal. Like I'm a I'm a morning person, and so like especially especially now because it's shorter days. I'm sitting here drinking coffee and watching the sunrise, and for the past I don't know week or so the, the sunrises have been just amazing now i'm inside the house but i'm still looking outside so like yeah, that's amazing like that yeah. that's just like the day starter for me and it just sets the tone and being able to get outside and among this all craziness and just be a part of the land work the land see that improvement man it's just it's, it's refreshing yeah there's no really you know uh <laughs> reason to get worried in in the world when you look at fleshly men and the things they do and you're right. like oh yeah uh. but as as god's in control i guess the only time i'd be worried is if something drastically happened in his creation it was like whoa what's going on yeah. then i'd be like oh the, the world really is gone crazy yeah right yeah. right <clears throat> but yeah no that's the that's a good reminder of 2020 2021 20 going into 2022 now is like just take a breath, get outside, take in some fresh air, and realize Absolutely. that no matter who the president is, who's in Russia, who's in China, there is a, a greater power, and that's mm-hmm. and that's who we uh, that's who we worship, that's who we follow. So that's um, right. Uh, anyway, and go buy land. Yeah, if you don't have it. Go if get. You don't some. have it. You ought to. Yeah, go buy some. It'd be pretty cool if you did. Um, uh, and the, yeah, and, and find ways to enjoy it and escape and use it as a refuge. Um, yep. and, uh, and then call us, listen to us, <laughs> let us help you. Yeah. Yeah, let us to. help you okay. avoid those mistakes. Yeah. <clears throat> and anyway, um, you know, one thing as we, and going into 2022, we're rolling into, uh, January full-fledged habitat season. We've already got guys that are tagging us in chainsawing posts and uh, TSI work, and and that's just a, another reminder, guys, to uh, to check out our social media pages um, and tag us in your work. I would love to see. I love seeing all the work people are doing. We've got people messaging yeah. us about work that they're doing, and uh, and um, asking for comments and different things. And I love seeing all that um, as well as following along on any major announcements, you know, next week we're going to be unveiling some, uh, some pretty cool stuff. So be sure to check us out on social media and uh, YouTube as well. And um, yeah, I- I'm looking forward to the future, Matt. And Man, uh, it, 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 it's bright and it's, <clears throat> it's a really cool time frame for us um, as a company where we're going, what we're doing. And, um, again, we, we cannot do it without you who who's listening right now. And, um, your guys's support is, is fuel for us. And the improving of land that you guys do and that you share with us is additional fuel. You know, this is not, this isn't this, we're not basing success off of the number of people who listen to the podcast. We base success off of the amount of acres that are changed and improved 
and when you guys share with us um and that is that is very encouraging for us to see across the country every region great practices being done and implemented and and we we really appreciate you guys support through this mission of land conservation land improvement restoration um and and just overall more enjoyment what's what's awesome is i noticed more and more posts and videos of guys who are performing timber stand improvement or they're doing invasive species control or they're uh, edge feathering. That seems to be a big one where I see more and more guys doing that and less of strictly hinge cutting or planting straight monocultures of, of grass. Um, It seems like there's more people who are starting to implement a lot of these practices that we talk about each and every week. Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing to know that even if we've helped a tiny bit and moving that needle over to true land management, uh, man, it feels awesome to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and, and not because it's like there's not a technique out there that we're like, that's that's our technique. It's yeah. just these are the techniques that we believe in, that we know and we see and have value, and they have value on the land. And when we see people do them, like we support those type of techniques, we see people doing them, it's just refreshing. No it's doubt. Like, we're, we're, do, we're, we're out there together doing it, guys. Yeah, it's no awesome. doubt. No doubt. As we get ready for 2022, um, can you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My youngest is ripping She's, it out there. Yes, she is. <laughs> She's probably letting her older sister know about it. She's a yeah. she's a pistol. Um, anyway, um, um, I was going to lead into, you know, when we talk about planting season coming up and, and all the things, guys, uh, like when it comes to, um, you know, you're trying to manage and you're trying to save money and you're trying to make the biggest impact one of the ways that we've cut costs significantly when it comes to planting food plots is is using Stratton Seed Company. Um, and let's be as transparent as possible. If you're in a part of the country where seed rates or shipping rates from Arkansas are, uh, you, you probably aren't saving a ton of money because of the amount of shipping. That's why it's important to try to sign up with, especially now with freight costs the way they are and inflation kicking in. Um you know, we need to be uh, looking for new dealers, but we have Stratton's put a person in, in the mid-Atlantic over there around your old stomping grounds, Matt, to yep. where yep. Um, they're doing their best to get people across the country uh, to help get the seed uh, at affordable prices and quality seeds. So you can check them out at uh, strattonseed.com or gostrattonseed.com. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, as we prepare for... Uh, 2022. Maybe it's maybe if you've been toying the idea. Why don't you um reach out to them about possibly becoming a dealer, and uh, totally. and go from there. Totally. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. We've got a an interesting topic this week to to discuss, and um, I'm I'm just going to introduce it, and and it, we we talked about it while we were actually sharing the sharing the road and the truck trip uh last week and then i'll just kind of let you uh run with it but um you know what when people are sending in consultation inquiries through the website um i'm the 
generally the person that responds. But w- one of the questions that is is always asked to be provided for information's sake is what are your top three goals for your property or, or, or what do you want to get out of the consultation? Like how are we going to be able to best serve you? What are you trying to achieve? And um, naturally, and to, to no shock, <clears throat> many people are discussing – um, and want to harvest mature deer. Like that is a very common goal um, that many people seek on their property. Great goal, fantastic goal. Have no issue with that goal. But the today's podcast is is kind of addressing, saying, should our goal be to harvest mature deer, or because of your region, because of your property, because of where you're at in the country? And your state regulations should our should our goal first and foremost be produce mature deer, then harvest them, because I think that there is a <coughs> it's always difficult to age deer. I know we you know there's a there's a group chat between you me Chad, um, and we're always sending pictures from your guys's place. Um, Elam Ridge, my lease, or Iowa, or, or wherever we've got cameras out, just looking at aging deer. And like we generally all agree on yeah. age classes of deer, aging them on the hoof. But sometimes it's like, I don't know, man, that thing could, you could make an argument for this and for that. And, and uh, all that to be said, and, we and, deal with it. And that's something, and too. That, that's something, too, that. <clears throat> You know, QDMA formerly or formerly QDMA NDA now, um, they always have asked the biologist, and they had that yeah. segment where they had these guys, yeah. and you'll see variance in in their opinion, um, absolutely in, in aging a deer, and I think that um, it's quite humorous to uh, to to watch um, uh, like a, a a television show shoot a deer that is I mean when I say it would be hard to make an argument that he's five plus four plus the deer is clearly three and they're calling him a big old buck um and the, a mature deer and you're like that's that almost steps into a pet peeve of mine of of being like just to stop trying to make it something it's not like it, who cares if you're happy that that he's the size he is great but don't like start going into it trying to make it something that it's not. Yeah, like like I, I guess the whole the whole reason of bringing that up is <clears throat> there. There's very few times where the body does if if it's a mature deer, fully mature deer, that it doesn't scream out to you that there's no doubt that he's mature. Yeah. If you're questioning it, probably not mature. Yeah. But but the issue is. With the statement of I want to harvest mature deer is that first and foremost, they have to be on the landscape first for you to even have the opportunity to harvest them. A mature deer isn't necessarily the largest deer Mm -hmm. that you have pictures of. There can be great deer that are – When you say largest, you're talking about antler size. (laughs) Correct. Not body. Right, right. Like It doesn't have to be the biggest antler deer – because, you know, I guess what I'm saying is like a lot of times people are like, well, I want to kill the biggest deer 
that I can, um, like that, that's my goal for the, for the property, whatever the biggest deer is, I, I want to be able to target that. Well, that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that's the most mature deer. So, so, but, but in general, we all know, we can all agree that the more deer bucks that get to four and a half plus really five and a half and older, you're going to have larger deer and you have more of them to be able to encounter and harvest. So therefore your success rate is going to go up. So the, the goal really shouldn't be, I want to harvest mature deer. It's first and foremost, I need to produce them and I need to get bucks to age. No doubt. And, and a lot of times in, in many regions, and this is very broad, extremely broad when I just throw out these areas <clears throat> that we work and we see, but like I think of states such as parts of Tennessee, parts of Alabama, parts of Georgia, parts of Arkansas, parts of Missouri, parts of um, Virginia, parts of certainly Pennsylvania. These are areas that like – Michigan. Yeah, where, where, where the number – or, or the percentage of mature bucks in a population is generally very low. North Carolina, like the, the list goes on, but most hunters, whether they have show cameras out or not, from, from an eyewitnessing standpoint, there's not much opportunity to know if those deer are old because, my goodness, there's just very small fraction. We're talking like maybe 5% of an entire population is, is four and a half and plus yep. of antler, like antler bucks, right? We're just looking at buck category. So it's like the goal for, for someone who might fall in that region <coughs> doesn't need to be harvest that 4% of a population. It's, well, what happens if we go and we double that? What happens if we go and we create more of those deer, get them to age, we're going to double our odds. We're going to take that 4% and move it to 8% uh-huh. and, and, and so on and so forth. So it's like really what <clears throat> what's the balance of um, mature bucks in the existing population? Well, I think of like, you know, um, uh, four different like rough age classes. We've got yearling bucks. You've got, um, let's say, button bucks. You have yearlings. Two and a half, three and a half, and four and a half plus. That yep. four and a half plus category, like from a goal standpoint, if it's anywhere between fifteen to twenty percent of your buck population, you're doing really well. No doubt, really, really well. What but, I was going to say that. for those guys that are like in all those regions you mentioned pr- previously, you know, we see a lot of trail camera pictures with visiting our clients and, and <laughs> listeners sharing. And the one thing right. that kind of rings true is if you're in one of those areas and you're sending like, this is the biggest deer on the farm. This is the one I'm chasing. I mean, I would say almost more times than not, the deer is clearly three to me. And at the very max, he's four. And so it seems like that there's this common theme where you rule out the areas like southern Iowa and parts of Illinois but you look and you say, you know what? The age class, the average age of the of the deer, the bucks on your property right now, the average <coughs> age is maybe two. Right. Uh, because there's a few three-year-olds. There's a whole lot of yearling bucks. There's a lot of button bucks. Um, and there's there's a decent amount of two and a half. But you're clearly losing your much. You're clearly losing the bucks. Once they reach two and a half, it's like fall off the the back of the slope pretty quickly not many deer at all or four and a half 
and and, and, and that's so common. <clears throat> and 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 I I do want to stress and make sure people people realize we're not saying that your goal has to be should be harvest four and a half and older deer, you know, four and a half years and older. You do whatever you want, but we're we're talking to the mass of people who are listening here, and if this is your goal, then we need to be realistic about the opportunities that are currently present within the population to even accomplish your goal. Yeah. And, and, and we're not trying to sit here and say, <clears throat> I want to shoot bigger deer. We're not trying to grow inches like that. That's where the really conversation gets down to is we're, we're trying. Why are you trying to make bigger deer? Why are you trying to grow inches of antler on a deer's head when really you just need, more mature bucks like yeah. if you had more mature bucks you would you wouldn't care if it was scored 157 or 153 it doesn't matter because you have three of them out there to go run and chase like it, do, it doesn't you, you really just don't care at that point um it, it's not a number of inches necessarily it's it's let's oh, of one deer right because that's again most people like oh that's that's the one deer that's one deer one target Let's have a target-rich environment. Let's create that environment where you could be wildly successful and encounter mature deer on a more frequent basis. That would be awesome. Who doesn't want that? That's right. That's right. I, I, to me, it, it's kind of one of those things, the reality, but also the everyone's wish. I mean, yes um, – the realistic side is not everyone's going to be able to shoot a four and a half year old buck, but nine out of 10 hunters or eight out of 10 hunters would say, I want to shoot a mature buck. That would be what I target. But the reality is there's just not many around here. Yeah. And they believe that, yeah, you know, they're, they'll never be around here when that's totally not true. They could be around here, but people just you have to wait it out. You have to play the game of going, okay, let's let's bring the age structure up. Let's stop shooting them at three and a half. Let's 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 let them get a little older. And I guess what that means. You have to Sometimes, eat tag soup some years. Yes. Some years. If if they're not there, that doesn't mean you alter your goals and, and just say, Well, I I need to shoot a buck. But if your goal is to harvest mature bucks, you cannot shoot them when they're super young. One thing that has been on my mind, and I'll probably, I'll probably, I'm probably going to lose some points with people when I say this, but I always try Uh-oh. to speak my opinion. There is a little <laughs> bit of. You always try to. Yeah, I always do. Um, and so here we are, and I feel like just because you have a tag doesn't mean you're entitled to feel it. And that's that's that's, that's not a cold hard truth. That's just truth. I it seems like there's a there's been more more people that are are trying to adopt this that line of thinking where it's it's literally a burning a hole in your pocket type of where it's like I have a tag now I got to go fill it all right I I filled this tag now I've got two more to fill ah that is that is not in my opinion gonna result in healthy game populations. Or um, giving, especially not on public ground, giving other people the chance of harvesting deer. Um, I've, and that's just something that has really been kind of nagging at me is going, you know, just because you have tags 
doesn't mean you have to fill it. And just because yeah. it's a buck tag doesn't mean it has to be filled with a buck. If you're just looking for meat, go shoot some does. <coughs> totally. And and that's the thing. It's like, you know, <clears throat> you're not going to shoot another buck this year. No. You, you harvested a great buck, but you're not going to shoot one here in Missouri. I'm not going to shoot a buck in Missouri this year, period. Like I'm, there's not, there was, there was one buck that I was chasing and after it got shot by a neighbor. I was like, okay, well, darn it. There goes that opportunity. But unless something just randomly shows up, that's a very small percentage chance that's going to happen. I'm not going to shoot a buck. And guess what? It's okay. Like it's, it's, it's totally fine. There's some does that need to be harvested, but I know my, my chances next year because I didn't fill either one of my tags, my, but my chances next year of encountering mature deer on the properties that I'm hunting are going to increase. Yeah. Because if I go there and shoot a buck just to fill a tag, I, I'm not going to have that opportunity next year. No doubt. I know that's not like, <laughs> it's not like we're saying anything new that people don't know, but at the same time, it needs to be accepted and, and, you need to be okay with the fact that you don't always shoot a buck. Yes. And it doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're a bad hunter. You could just be hunting in a population or in, in an area where, where the number of mature bucks that you could encounter is really low. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that just showcases not that you're a bad hunter, but it just means that there, there needs to be work in the age structure. And <clears throat> we're going to talk about some habitat techniques that you can apply and use in the next couple months to increase the opportunity of encountering mature deer and getting deer to older age classes. But first and foremost, we got to have trigger control and herd management before we can even talk about the habitat side of things when we're talking about getting deer to older age classes. You have to be okay with eating that tag soup. Barn yeah, hunt. and you have to be okay with the it, possibility that your neighbor shoots it when it was when you when you decided to elect that deer or to to elect yeah. to pass that deer means that you're opening the door for a neighbor to harvest it, and Absolutely. and that's that's a really tough pill to swallow. And Matt, I want you to say something if you're okay with it to talk about um, your home place and how oh yeah um, some of the bucks that are there. It's not that they're not there. It's just that the age structure is not there. Like, you know, we had a pretty yeah. good heart-to-heart back in probably early October about uh, uh, the November. November, okay, early November. Yep. I know there was like two weeks before gun season there. Yeah. Um, where we were talking about the realistic side of of that property and how, yeah. um, you know, you, you can share that story if you, totally. if you care. Oh, yeah. Well, this is this is the first place that my wife and I own have owned, and and to be honest with you, I was so focused on just trying to get cover on the property ahead of season, get some food out there, uh, food plot wise, and I just wanted to hold deer because I knew the property was just not anything special the way it was. So I was, that was my only goal. Season rolls around. Um, and I, and I hadn't had like this honest evaluation of what is my goal and what is my expectation on the property. Like I, I get a ton of enjoyment just watching deer out the back uh, window and whatnot. But like, well, of course I'm still gonna hunt it. But here strolls in 
a really nice looking ten pointer. Three and a half years old, like bar none. He was tops three and a half. And um he shows up a couple times and then I actually see him chasing does in the back for I don't know, two mornings in a row. And he <clears throat> I think earlier I thought he was a little bit bigger, but some of the pictures um yeah, I'd say he's probably 135, maybe 130 inch 10 pointer. But I was just watching him. I'm like, oh man, that's just awesome. Like, and then as soon as gun season started to draw closer, and, and mind you, I hadn't hunted the property, but but like once or twice to to try and shoot a doe, and um, and then as gun season got a little bit closer, I was like, huh, <clears throat> still getting that buck. But wait a second. I own 35 acres and there are lots of hunters around me and we're, we're now like five T minus five days till gun season. What, what are the chances that that deer actually makes it like it, it that deer not, may not get shot on um, my property, but he takes five steps out of a food plot and he's on another a neighboring property where they would happily, um, you know, harvest that deer. And and I had not had that conversation with myself of like, what are you, what are you really trying to accomplish here on 35 acres, Matt? Like, are you trying to hold out for a mature deer on 35 acres in a neighborhood with a high hunter? And when you, and when you say 35 acres, that was part of our story is like, you know, if you include the yard yeah. And you include the garden area, and you include the front front pastures. front pastures. You're realistically looking at less than 25 acres, probably more like 20 or less. That's that's designated to wildlife, right? And, right. And anybody who's dealt with that knows that man. That is that's you know that doesn't take a deer very far to get on a neighboring property. <laughs> and then totally. with some of your assessment, of, you were walking the property line at one point. I think to do some cutting or do something and you saw that your neighbor to the north had a blind right on the fence line. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay, <clears throat> I know the neighbor to the west is hunting or will hunt and I know the neighbor now to the north will hunt. That 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 doesn't uh it doesn't give the deer a very good opportunity to stroll off the property and not encounter hunters. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. And, and again, it was part of my, I would say, lack of preparation um, because it's, this is not the only place that I have to hunt. I, you know, I generally just put more focus and time onto a additional lease. But when this opportunity came up, shoot, I, I feel really confident that if I had hunted um, that deer, I probably could have killed him. Yeah. But I never had this, like, discussion with myself of, man, really, what are the expectations here on the property um, it, is it even realistic to think right now that I, that I would have an opportunity to shoot four and a half and old, older deer here on t- basically 25 huntable acres? That's just, that's just pretty unrealistic. Um, so yeah, we had that discussion and, and I was like reasoning, uh, like here kind of like laying it out. It's like, you know, what would you do? What would your expectation be? And, um, you know, I think we both confidently land is like if there's a really good three and a half year old probably ought to just whack it because of their surrounding area now yeah. and that I was before gun season though yeah 
Yeah. yeah. I still think that that has validity, but that buck and many of the other ones that I saw, they actually made it. So I'm like, huh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and <clears throat> that could change the whole future of uh, of what's realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, is it because I cut in an acre and a half of bedding thicket? No. Did have did it help? Yeah, heck yeah, it helped. But I don't think that was the determining factor, um, because again, when you look at one and a half acres of an in, of an entire home range of that deer, it's a very small percentage of that home range. Did it help? I think so. But it is encouraging to see that okay, maybe I can expect a little bit more if. If whether it's the proficiency of of neighbors, or just the way deer utilizing the area, or how they're sucking in tight to me um, right now, because it's not uncommon to see ten plus deer and you know yearling bucks and two and a half year old bucks in the back field. It's not uncommon to see. It's like it's kind of getting interesting. Yeah. Do I need to reevaluate or just kind of keep pressing on and? seeing what the heck happens. But regardless, <clears throat> I know that if I were to shoot that deer, I'm not killing him next year again. Yeah. And <laughs> because he's probably the only three and a half that you saw, and maybe one other one, but maybe, if, maybe if, one if let's one? just say you had two three and a half year olds, unless something new shows up, ultimately you have – you have two deer that could make it to four and a half. And if you kill one of them, that that decreases the chance of of uh, making to four and a half by 50%. So ultimately, absolutely, if you kill that one and your goal still stays the same as I would love to shoot a four and a half year old, you're two years out from having another batch of, of bucks that are, right. you know, common to see on your plays. And that's the big part of like, of understanding that, you know, that, that doesn't change regardless of everything we do. Time does not change. If you're looking for a four and a half year old, it's going to take a full year for a three and a half year old to get there. That's pretty common sense. But yeah, exactly the the other side of that is <clears throat> if you're killing them, if there is a if there is a break in that two year old to three year old to four year old to five year old chain, meaning if you have a small population, you know your smaller acreage, and you have you know just two let's just say you have five two and a half year olds and you have two three and a half year olds and then you have one four and a half year old if you're if you're breaking that chain link at three and a half and your goal is to get to four and a half year old you're quickly going to see that oh you know it takes a lot of time and you're going to be very frustrated and well uh, and, and what you just laid out right there of of buck dynamic it's very common yeah very very common and, and i want i want to stress here that you could get pictures of, of random deer that you don't know that, that might be or exceed that. Um, <clears throat> that ratio that you just threw out there. Yeah. But that, that doesn't mean that that deer's living on you, that you really have the like the influence of how old that deer gets. Because really, 90% of his life is spent off your property. Yeah. 90% of hunting season, he's, he's not on you. So really, you just got a picture of them. Cool. That's not a buck you're hunting. Yeah. That's not a buck that you're saving, and I'm air-quoting that. 
what we're talking about is that the deer that are core area home range on you population or, or age dynamic if you're trying to harvest mature deer back up a second reevaluate and say i just need more mature yeah. deer and yeah. grow them yeah let them get there and and i will say this too there's there's really not a place in the country that I've seen like <coughs> deer get to <coughs> maturity and people really, really disappointed with antler size. No, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of times too, uh, you know, we've been blessed enough to do a lot of work in Pennsylvania and, and, uh, and even some in Michigan where a lot of times it seems like people are like, well, they just don't get they just don't get very big here. Our mature deer are not like mature deer other parts of the country. And it's the the reality of that is your mature deer aren't really mature in a lot of cases. <laughs> right, right. Your the the deer you're classifying a mature are not mature. He's and, mature and, for the region. Yes. He's not mature for the animal and comparatively speaking to age. Um, of that animal in their entire range. And, and so a region, big part of that older. is we know, you know, just based on body characteristics, you can look at them and be like, yeah, that deer is most likely three. And then working with those clients going, okay, you, you want mature deer, understand that these deer are not mature. The deer that you're talking about being the top tier, the older deer, they're still not mature. They still need another <laughs> two years. And they've had that ability to start letting them get older, and they're like, "Wow, they're a lot bigger here." And it's like, "Yeah, they well, are because they're getting age." Well, and, and let's think about that for a second. Pause for that for a second, because to me, how encouraging is that? The fact that you're sitting here saying these are the, some of the biggest deer that I've ever seen, and they need more time. Like that to me says should should say to a landowner, "I have a I have really big potential here." Like I have the no potential doubt. to shoot some really large deer. If if at three and a half, these are bigger deer than I've ever chased before and seen in this region, that is great, great news. And again, if your goal is to shoot them at three and a half, my gosh, start whacking. But if not, and you're trying to hold out for mature deer, then you just flat out have to hold out. It's wait a year, tag soup it. And know that, my goodness, the opportunity for me to see what really holds this property holds in store, and as a region standpoint, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what we can produce here. Yeah. And if they're at three, the biggest deer you've been seeing, just wait, just wait. Mm. You're you're gonna be very <clears throat> shocked at five and a half. What happens when you get, especially when you get, you know, more of them to that age class? Not every single deer is gonna have. <clears throat> 160 inches of antler on its head at five and a half. Yep. But the characteristics, the 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 extra points, the mass that co- continues on, um, regardless of, of number of points, whatever, it, it's it's all relative to age, and it's and, so cool to see that. Not every deer is going to make it to 160 at five and a half, but the chances of a three and a half year old making it to 160 are very very slim. Um, yes. Not to say it won't happen. Not to say it doesn't happen, but you right. have a much better chance at five and a half than you do at three and a half. Totally. So, so what what do we give people here, <clears throat> Adam, to 
give them the secret sauce of accomplishing this. Well, how do we it, how do we do this besides besides trigger control? <clears throat> how do we make the habitat grow? It's a two-part system, or basically there's two scenarios, and it's very, very simple. And I think that's the part that it's it's very simple, but yet it can be very, very difficult. And I say that with gritted teeth because I've been there. But number one, like we just covered, they have to get older. That's pretty simple. Like, you you just got to let them get older. But that that comes with a uh, totally with a couple of different scenarios. How do you get deer older? Well, you stop shooting them when they're young, obviously. That's how you do it. How do you get them older when you've stopped shooting them but they still don't seem to be making it to? And this is a place I've been so much where Chad and I over the years have have really tried to lay off, you know, we don't shoot there for a while. It was like it has to be three and a half. Um that you know, the last year I shot those three and a half was sticker eight. Matt, you filmed it in 2016 um, that aired on Growing Deer, and that was about um, the time frame when it was like we're still, we're still, we're we're not shooting these deer, but even the two and a halfs don't seem to be making it three and a half, and it was very frustrating. I know this is something a lot of people face where you're like, well, I don't know what is going on. I'm not shooting them, but they're not making it. And that's where it's like they're getting killed by neighbors, and not and maybe not even direct neighbors, the neighbor yeah. to your neighbor. And well, it, and that should scream, <clears throat> scream, to anyone out there who's experiencing that lack of dense cover. Yeah, and that's lack the... of influence of habitat features on your property that is strongly dictating what deer do and that's the that's point number two when you go from okay i've stopped shooting them and now i need to figure out how to even carry them over because they're not making it when i'm still not shooting them and in dense cover secure cover and that comes in the form of a lot of times i don't think you know i say this that you know when people send us messages on social media and they say is this the kind of cover you're looking at and it's like no it's thicker than that yeah, like sure. you, you don't want to walk through it because yep. it's 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 five foot tall six foot tall and thick as can be down to the forest floor and yep. it's not just the how many times okay for listeners can you go out on your woods and you find a, a tree blown down a tree fell over and you walk around and you find beds around it that's a sign. That's the kind yep. of density they're looking for. You want horizontal woody structure. You want herbaceous plants growing up in it. You want stump sprouts. You want all of this in a half acre to three acre segment. And if you own many acres, you want multiple locations like that. And and you want to look at basically just visualize your property and the surrounding neighborhood as an aerial view, and then put up, since it's right after Christmas, one Christmas light for every buck on the place. And then just visualize how they would travel throughout the day and night and over the weeks. And and if you don't have the cover, you probably know that they're making big loops. They'll be on your property for a little while, and then they'll move off the property, and they'll go on to the neighbor and the neighbor's neighbor, and they'll just keep moving, and then they'll come back to your place. And there's no real rhyme or reason boundary. They don't care about boundary lines. They're just making big figure eights and moving all over the place. Who knows what direction they're moving. But then if you add dense cover, secure cover, improve the food source 
on your place, you'll notice that 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 Christmas light for each buck then starts really kind of sticking around your place. It's almost it's like, like a fly like a, flying around, and then it finds a cow patty. It starts yeah. really focusing. It's flying right around the cow patty, and that's what you want the de- the deer to be doing, where they're focusing their movement around your property. We're not saying make your property a turd. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a good analogy. But it, it's like it's like a nomadic lifestyle, right? Uh, you know, Native Americans used to chase game all across you know the, the Great Plains, right? They followed the herds. That's essentially what bucks are doing if you don't have dense cover but once they learned native americans learned agriculture and could could produce their own food they shrunk down yeah how much they're traveling we we need to shrink down because there's resources there available and that ultimately taking it a step past the trigger control and identifying accurately what age class each deer actually is in and actually falls into and restricting yourself to to your goals, holding yourself accountable to your own stated goals. Once you can do that, and and the, then have the habitat in place, you'll be crushing it. Yep. <clears throat> like it, that. That's the that's that's the recipe right there. And and it sounds simple <clears throat> because it actually is. Yeah. It's just difficult. To accept the fact that getting through that process or getting to influence a population or a herd dynamic that much in a specific region is difficult. Mm-hmm. The game is easy. The strategy is easy to understand but hard to implement because it, it, it involves you eating tag soup sometimes. Yeah, and It involves you <clears throat> putting in work. And waiting. That's right. <laughs> you, you just have to wait. And if you had the ability to, to get through a hunting season without posting a hero photo on social media, this is for you. Because so many times now it seems like that's a big part of the hunt is i got to post that picture on social media. And we post our pictures on social media. But at the yeah. same time, if you can just be okay with, yeah, I, I didn't kill one this year. Uh, I shot several does. That's fine. If you know this is your goal, because you got to do things that other people are not willing to do. If you want to kill deer, that most people don't. That's it, especially yeah. in your own region. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of Jason Brazd up there in Michigan. Yeah, passing yep. a deer that so many people in his neighborhood would want to harvest, and he was able to shoot a one right around a one sixty, I believe. Yeah, uh, four yep. year old. And yeah. and it just like totally, you know, kind of told the neighborhood you can do it. You and just have to do what we've not been doing. Yeah, redefined expectations. Yeah, yeah. You you can set the bar, but but to to set the bar in a higher place position in your region, you have to follow those steps. You have to. It's not about shooting a mature buck. It's about producing them. And producing them on a regular basis, one every three years, it's isn't regular. isn't what we're talking about. We're yeah. we're talking about multiple each year on your property. We're talking about consistency and knowing that hey, if I target and I shoot one, and then my son shoots another one, I've got six four and a half year olds that are going to be or or 
three, four and a half year olds that are going to be moving into that next age class. Like you have to be looking at your lower ranks. You can't. This is <coughs> a quote from Seth Harker. You can't shoot your seed seed stock. Yeah, that's a good one. <coughs> I didn't realize you, got, you could come up with something so good. I know, <laughs> but um, that that's the that is the reality of of it all. Those are the type of numbers, you know. If again, if you're if you're looking at from a goal standpoint, fifteen to twenty percent uh, of your age class is four and a half and older. You're doing really well, really well. Yep, that's right. So shoot for that. Calculate it out. Figure out if you're holding enough bucks. I guess this is <clears throat> it's kind of a staged out game, but you know, make sure you're holding enough bucks at three and a half, because of course some are going. Every year, some are going to get killed, get uh, hit by a car, die, whatever, in a fight. That's going to happen. Can't yep. control it. But make sure you're holding it up at three and a half to get them to four and a half. And, and if you're realizing that, man, in my area, I just don't even have three and a half, make sure you're holding enough two and a half in yearlings to be able to get there. Your, your percentage, your weight of um, age classes should increase. As you go down, as mm-hmm. you get younger, you need more of them. That's right. That's right. So, hopefully, give some people some ideas, some expectations to be able to maybe readjust what their goal should be, but then some real life practical advice of maybe you need young force, you need thick cover, you got to have it. There's there's nothing that replaces it on a recreational property that's trying to kill older age class deer you yeah. have to have it and it's, it and it's not i mean one thing too is it's not just real dense pockets and then open hardwoods you need real dense pockets and then hardwoods that have pretty decent cover but not the dense cover because it Thunder helps story. deer to yes. spread out and you know forage forage and, and feel Social comfortable stress. no matter what yeah. and so um yeah i uh yeah, I, I enjoyed it, I, and hopefully, and you know, I'm very excited because uh, the amount of habitat work we've done on the on on Chadney's farm in the last year has been like, okay, we've never done anything to this this big of a scale. Let's see how quickly things change. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, anyway, I would say, and I I, I drove a look and showed my parents here in in town. Yeah, some of the work I'd done on the property, and it's like, my gosh. I forgot how much I'd actually cut. I, I, I've got, you know, acre and a half to two acres of the bedding thicket done. Yeah. And then probably seven or eight acres of, of TSI done. And it's aggressive TSI. And um, it's like, I started looking around. It's like, there's a lot of trees on the ground. This is awesome. Yeah. I kind of forgot how, because it just been spaced out just random times. I had an opportunity to do it. And I was like, wow, this is kind of adding up. Yeah. I like it. Sweet. Yeah. So it's all fun. It's all interesting, but that's the recipe for success. Hopefully that was beneficial for everyone. Yeah, no doubt. Guys, uh, we enjoyed it. We'll catch you next year or next week, whichever one comes first, uh, right here on Land of Legacy. Guys, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week.